0: You're listening to the Jofara Podcast, hosted by Chris Lee. The Jofara Podcast, helping people of color to level up.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Chris Lee's Jofara Podcast. Today, we are joined by a very special guest and one of my favorite people, award-winning Detroit author and founder of the Motown Writers Network, Sylvia Hubbard who has published over 55 romance suspense books in over 20 years. In over the 20 years that she's been in a literary business as an avid blogger, podcaster, social media manager, and digital strategist, you've received so many accolades and recognition from your community work and your literary work. and Plus, you have had eight number one bestsellers. Welcome to the show, Sylvia.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me here. It's
1: Absolutely. Thank you for being here. And first, before we get started, I just want to say that I'm excited for you to be here because there are so many of us in Detroit that you helped us to get our start as bloggers, as authors and everything. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. I really Aww. appreciate you. really appreciate you being here.
2: <laughs> thank you. You're Sorry. like our book mom. Yeah.
1: Even though I'm older than you, you're still our book mom.
0: <laughs> right. Aw, that's sweet. Yeah.
1: Things, and we got lots of exciting to things to talk about.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, First of all, when we were setting up this interview, you had mentioned that you and your husband were spending time off-gridding or off the, yeah. off the grid. Kind of tell me a little bit about that.
2: Well, we had always been talking about it. I'd been like into the camper van thing. I got into it by, I think I was researching homelessness in America. And then I stumbled upon camper van, people living in the cars, um, like working full time jobs, you know, in the urban area. They were urban camping. And everything. And I thought that was just so fascinating. Yeah. And it was weird because, you know, as we we're growing up, especially in Detroit, no one tells you to go and live out in the woods. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're like, that's just crazy. Why would you want? And it's for some reason we don't like trees either. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, that's where the killers live that's what i tell my husband he, it would be so funny because he thought it was just me then he met my sister he met my friends and he was like what is it with trees
1: <laughs> if you're <laughs> so from thought, detroit like, you are
2: right the killers live <laughs> <laughs> So we had, but for like the past, like four or five years, we had been getting into just saying, oh, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do this. We will go to parks and we started bike riding through parks and everything. Then we started seeing other people camping and we were like, oh, that's doable. And then when the the big thing happened, we were like, hey, let's just try it. You know, we can do it on our own, blah, blah, blah. So we did tent camping and it was boondocking, pure boondocking, where we weren't attached to anything. We brought our own power, water. We figured everything out, had our propane uh, stove. It was more like glamping for us because... We could be on the internet out in the middle of nowhere, and we had this big 10-person 10 tent with a queen-size bed inside. I mean, we we had nice. the bathroom with the shower. We were, yeah, we were glamping. It was... <laughs> <laughs> we plugged the Keurig up into the power battery. Just <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so it was it was pretty cool. And then we said, well, let's get an RV. And then we got an RV. But we had specifics where we wanted solar on it. We wanted to be able to run electricity on our own, um, have enough water for us to camp out for about three, four days without plugging in anywhere. We didn't want to sit in the RV park and just be like, a, it, it's a parking lot. Yeah, Uh, we could go and sit in any parking lot, you know, it's just like sitting anywhere. So we wanted to be able to be in nature, looking at nature and just enjoying nature. And then we ended up buying land this year. So we were like, hey, let's just do it. And we bought land without it's not attached to water or electricity or anything. And we have a uh, satellite internet and I have my T-Mobile, which is about a mile away from the land. So we, yeah, we can just sit out there for our camper can literally hold us for about a week and a half if we wanted to. Nice. <laughs> it's kind of just be able to just walk out, sit outside. Of course, I like to be, like I said in my video, I said, I like to be outside, inside, outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to be outside, inside. So I have my screens all up and everything, and I can sit outside. I got my little thermosail where all the bugs are repelled, and but I can sit out and write and do what I want, work when I want, and just have fun. And it's just nice to be. I like to be alone because I'm a writer. Yes, but I like to be alone with my husband. So that. <laughs>
1: now, okay. Now tell me this: as a writer, what are the rules? for your husband when you're writing? Like, what are, are there ground rules? Are there, There's like, do's and really don'ts?
2: Ground rules, because, I, I, you know, I was a single mom before I got married again. So it was, it's kind of like I'm used to the noise or used to people interrupting me at, you know, crucial things. I don't have to... I'm not like other writers where we they need a quiet room, a glass yeah. of wine, you know, Luther Vandross playing in the background. I don't get that luxury with three small kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, then I have kids question, "What's a house not a home, Mama? What does that mean?" (laughs) You explain. No, I'm trying to write. So, so I'm just I'm used to the chaos being around me, and actually, I do have to have chaos. And once the kids grew up and left, I, I literally have to have like a TV or radio on or something, and before I write. And when my husband sees me, you know, on the computer. Usually he's because he does a uh, computer programming.
1: Well, uh, okay.
2: so it's kind of like we get into our own worlds and we can actually we've literally just sat outside camping on and we're on our respective computers. And it's like okay, just we just like to see each other close by. I think that's what married couples. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, just, we yeah. really don't want to. We don't want to do nothing together. We just want you to sit over there. So I'm right. happy. Yeah. Are you happy? You better be happy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird because we are because I'm like okay, I'm doing my thing. He's doing his thing. But you know we're together. So
1: yeah, that's great.
2: Yeah. that is awesome. Is cool, so.
1: And how I know that you spent a lot of time as a single mom. And it's so yeah. funny to me hearing you say the kids are grown because I can remember when yeah. when we would see you at events and yeah. at trade shows and stuff or book shows. One, yeah. And it was just there's like these little kids.
2: Yeah. The youngest one is about to graduate from college and she My got her pastor teacher certification certification test this year. So She's ready to fly off the handle. And wow. yeah, Maggie, the oldest one, she has her own business. She just bought rental property, um, has her own house, you know, and she's working as a, she's working as a software developer too. Okay. His has his, the middle one has his own business now. He's a home improvement specialist. So he's just, yeah, he, he's, he, and he just bought his first rental property as well.
1: Good job, Sylvia.
2: I know. You
1: do good work.
2: <laughs> I know. I like to give myself a pat on. Though, they'll be like, Mike, hey. I'll be like, hey, I want to go grocery shopping. I don't feel like driving. But it's not to get them to pay, but they'll pay for it. I'll be like, oh, that's so awesome.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. That is a great feeling. That's a, I remember one year for my birthday, my daughter bought me a bottle of uh Carvassier. Oh, wow. and I was like wow but then I remembered that she was 17 and I'm like I've, I debated in my mind like do I ask the 17 year old where she got a bottle of Kavasi yeah. or do I just accept a gift Yeah, and I decided to just accept the gift <laughs> I still to this day she's 24 now but I still want to ask her
2: side eye where you get that <laughs> exactly
1: I'm waiting on the statute of limitations to expire
2: Are you will a- after <laughs>
1: like 10 years later when she turns 27 i'll ask her
0: oh
2: my god that's
0: terrible because
1: i might run for political office one day and then that'll come up yeah her daughter was 17 she purchased a bottle of Cabassier.
2: or did she purchase it
1: right exactly and who <laughs> bought it and that's what i'm saying you're opening a whole new can of worms so i just
2: right.
1: <laughs> especially with my background and the things that i did as a teenager yeah I know, I pro- most likely I probably don't even want to know
2: <laughs> you've already forgiven her just- exactly exactly
1: <laughs> so how did you meet your husband because I know at a certain point if you've been a single mom for so long you're just kind of mm. like this is this is gonna be it's gonna be what it's gonna be but you it met somebody you is- fell in love and got married how did that come it's to be for you
2: weird interaction I guess because like um it was more or less on a a, a, a computer thing where they were helping us with our computer. A lot of developers were helping us with computer problems because I couldn't afford anybody to run my website, but I would break my website and then I'd be like, okay, where can I go? And so I joined this meetup where it was other developers who wanted to learn other technologies. So they would help people who needed help in those technologies. So I was in that group and occasionally they would put out stuff they wanted to purchase you know hey i got this at home sitting around or something and he had some some stuff he was getting rid of and i was like okay let me let me do that I was I, that was right after the fire I, you know you remember the, I fire. Remember I the homeless, fire yes yes but I'm, i was addicted to buying like little knickknacks and everything as my coping depression strategy and he had something i wanted but then um where he was located at like we knew that was serial killer country and we was like oh maybe he's trying to lure you know people out there <laughs> so i went out to meet him and i was like just throw it in the back seat and i i rolled out my window a little gave him the money drove off but he had told me if things don't work out please call him let him know Six months later, I, that stuff was still in my backseat. Yeah, <laughs> we were we were literally homeless at the time, um, and then um, he emailed me because he didn't have my number. It was more of an email. We were going back and forth in emails and stuff. He emailed, "Is everything okay?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't even know if everything's okay. That stuff is still in my backseat." We started talking back and forth about, you know who we were, what had happened and why it was still in the backseat. And then every day we would just be emailing back and forth. And then it was like weird. Like, I didn't know him for crap and he didn't know me, but it just became this weird, you know, hey, just somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then it was kind of like... Um, then he asked me out on a, he asked me to meet me, you know, and I was like, I don't know about this and everything. <laughs> I contemplated it the whole day. And then I got home because he was like, well, if you're not busy after you get off of work and, you know, we can meet, I'll be in Detroit, blah, blah, blah. And I got home and I took off my bra because as soon as I walk off, you know what happens when a woman. Oh, off yeah.
1: You're not leaving no more.
2: He's home now. It's too late. <laughs> And then he sent a message and he was like, are you still coming? I swear. I looked at that bra for like half an hour. Like, <laughs> I took off my bra. Yes. <laughs> just, that's a big decision. And a lot of friends, my, a lot of guy friends is like, what do you mean? You know, what? I don't get it. I'm like, that's a bra. You just, you got to wrestle to get it back on and uh, just the girl's. <laughs>
1: exactly i totally get it because i'm the exact same way if i take my shoes and socks off i am not leaving the house i'm I'm home
2: yeah uh, but i you know i was like you know what don't like it i can always jump back in my car come back home blah 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 and um i did it and it was so weird i actually enjoyed myself i was shocked he was actually he didn't He didn't look like the person he sounded like. And then he Mm -hmm. wasn't the person I thought him to be. I don't know if I can really explain that. And it was like, you know, he from the first day he listened, like he was the first guy that really listened to things I was saying, like, Mm -hmm. and he could actually recall like what I was saying. And, you know, he was actually paying attention. And, you know, and I don't know if men know this, women drop stuff as we talk to see Absolutely. if you picked it up. It's kind of like that That back in the day when they would drop the handkerchief. Now women drop stuff in conversations to see, are you really paying attention to what I'm saying or are you looking at what you want? So it was nice to know that someone was listening to me as Sylvia and not just as, oh, she's this or she's that or, or something like that. So it was nice. So, yeah, we just kept going out. But I didn't think he liked me because he listened. Usually the guys who listen don't don't like me. Oh,
1: they don't <laughs> like what they hear?
2: Is what? <laughs> they just don't like me as if they're not oh, like they're okay. trying to date me or anything. And he, he would ask me out again. And we'd go out, talk, have a good time, and do stuff together. And just, you know, have these little fun. It wasn't even dates. It was more of, like, get-togethers for me. It wasn't, it was like... No pressure, no nothing. I didn't have to fight him off at the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just,
0: you know, it
2: was nice. And then when he finally, you know, he he finally, it was, I think it was about our
0: third or fourth date. And he was like, can I kiss you? And I was shocked. Like, you like me like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It was weird getting asked like a, a true gentleman, like what is wrong with you <laughs> yeah you yeah. just try to grab at you right exactly <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so it was just it was a weird kind of thing in terms of
0: like wow this is a this is an awesome guy like Huh, then of course you start of course you know women suspect stuff like what's wrong with him exactly yeah just like it, the
1: plot of every Tyler Perry movie
0: yeah the like, spot where
1: you meet him you like him and then it's like okay what's the catch
0: what, what's the catch yeah so it was going into like
2: half a year and we were doing things together and my friend and even my mom had finally had the discussion with me and she was like stop waiting for the other shoe to drop because that's what I was waiting for like that other shoe to drop I wasn't like being, being true to him and he was being true to me and it wasn't fair. And finally I just said, you know, whatever, I'm just going to go ahead and see where this takes us. And then it was just like, Ooh. so <laughs> it was from there. Like, yeah. It was cool,
1: so. That's great. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Especially with everything that you have been through. You mentioned the fire and um, if you want to, we don't have to talk about it. We know, didn't plan on fun. talk about it, but I don't
2: mind. I
0: don't
2: mind. It was a horrible thing. <laughs> um, our, we were, that was in the middle of the bankruptcy and we are, I was laid off. Um, just barely getting over. The government was shutting down. It was the worst time of the worst time in the middle of winter to what to year be was Poland. it? This was 2013. Okay. Yeah. And that's when the government was shutting down all the time so you you didn't know if you was going to get an impl- unemployment check or not. Didn't know if you was going to get your food stamps, didn't know if you was going to get anything and so I was I was just in the black. Like literally before the fire, I knew I had 68 cents to my name. Wow just had paid off all the bills for that month. So I was like, okay, the Lord's just going to float us until, you know, the, the next month we can float on what we had. Everything we had was in the house. We just needed to, you know, we weren't going to go anywhere. You know, I saw, so you know, I budgeted everything down to a, a science and everything. And then the fire hit and Eight minutes changed my life. I didn't know uh, uh, it was a two-story. It was a two-family flat. It burned to the ground. When I say burned to the ground, you could see the basement. (laughs) Once in eight minutes, the fire just took the whole house, and all we had was our clothes. I just I happened to take my purse with me, and we had the keys to the car. But everything we had, if it wasn't in the car, we didn't have it. Everything just burned. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. And so, what was the process like, both from an emotional standpoint and from a physical standpoint, of basically reassembling your life from nothing, from losing absolutely everything?
2: I was shattered. I still, I still, I can still feel myself standing. Across the street with my kids, we were all barefoot <laughs> standing there watching it. Um, and, and seeing the look on their faces. I stopped looking at the fire and started looking at their faces. And I knew, like, as a single mom, I had failed. Like, this is the lowest of the lowest point in my life. And I knew that. There was no way to go up. There was mm. there was no way we were at we were under the bottom of the bucket. We <laughs> we didn't even have the privilege of being in the bottom of the bucket. We were under the bucket. Wow. And it, it was just really horrible. And that the next 24 hours, I didn't know where I was gonna go. I mean, like I said, it was a bankruptcy, and it was the city was going through things uh the country was going through things you know and people were like well you could have just turned up focus hope or you could have got hotel vouchers middle of winter everybody broke there were no vouchers no no nothing you were in long lines with everybody else we literally were homeless i was i was out there i was butt out (laughs) like okay um the next morning, I remember getting up and I was telling everybody, hurry up, hurry up. Let's let's just try to go stand in some lines. Let's do something to try to get our life back together. I I needed money. had 68 cents, you, you, you're just kind of like, OK, I can't we can't do this We my dad. Let me stay with him. Um, and so I knew I just had to get some type of money, infuse some money. Kids didn't have any shoes. Everything they had on was borrowed we were just going with the motions. And I was like, okay, everybody get whatever you can get some clothes or something, jump in the car, whatever fits. Let's just jump in the car and we can find some homeless shelter where we can get some clothes or food or just something. Um, And my son just kept saying, ma, ma, ma. And I'm yelling around the house, everybody get ready. Let's just get ready. <laughs> and he was like, ma, ma. And I just thought he was just being like, come on like okay it's no time to bother me right now i just let's go and i was like just get your stuff and get get going and i turned away and he was like sylvia and you know i was like uh-huh. oh no we're not doing this right really? now, now. <laughs> do you know how close you are like oh my god just everything give me my black mama turned around and i was like what did you say to me? And he was like, I don't have any shoes. Oh. And if I thought I was low last night. You talk about my soul dropped. Wow. I was I was on the ground mentally. Like What do you do? This is the, If it was my daughter, I could I could have handled
0: it. But it was my son. This was a black Boy in Detroit, he is looking at me for guidance. He is looking at me for strength, and I have failed him. And I'm looking at him, and I'm dying inside. And he's he's looking like, do something, like do something, like. And it was I didn't know what to do, Chris. I was like, what do you do? What do you say? Yeah. At that point in time when you know this is a break of moment. There's there's nothing to turn to. So I did what anybody else would do. And I looked down at my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to this okay, I just need a moment. If I just if I, I couldn't just get a second, because I, I knew I was I wasn't breathing. I wasn't there. I wasn't I literally like when I say I was on the floor, I was I was gone. I was like, this is with I was about to tell everybody just get out the car. I'm just gonna go kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> because what what do you do like at this point? And I opened up my phone and I remember the last thing I checked was my bank account and the screen I just hit refresh just to, you know, bide some time. <laughs> yeah being refreshed and overnight somebody put out the word that my house had burned down and um i remember it was charlie and he said if sylvia has done anything for you uh-huh. ever if you could give her a couple of dollars we would appreciate it and he sent the the thing to my paypal Thing and I refreshed the screen and
2: I had thousands of dollars in there
0: <laughs> and it was it was the thing where they say he may not come when you want him but he's right on time <laughs> And it was that moment I looked up at my son and I was like, if you could just walk out in the snow and get in the car with your bare feet, we could go and take you and get the best shoes you could ever have. And he did. And people just don't know. Like, you don't know when you're going to break. Yeah. You don't know when life is about to test you. And you are going to make it or break it. And that was a
2: make it or break it moment. That was literally make it or break it. If I had not been doing the, the like you said, the wonderful things I had been doing in the community and just helping everybody
0: out, I would have not passed that test.
1: Yeah. That,
0: that kindness paid off a hundredfold, you know? hmm it was, yeah. a hundred, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a hundred thousand fold. It was a thousand fold. and it was like, wow,
2: that's that's what kindness does. That's that's mm-hmm. the that's the karma. You know, they always they say karma is the bad thing, but that's the karma from the good things. You know, yeah, like, Sylvia, I'm gonna pay you back, or Sylvia, can I help? Can you help me do this or something like that? it wasn't even about me getting payment back. I didn't even think about it. When people asked me to do something, I just did it. But this was the payment of in those moments in your darkest time, you know, some light. So thank you, everybody.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I was thinking about. One of the reasons why I was excited about doing this interview is I wrote my first book in 2012,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: in 2012, you for free you gave me a book review you allowed me to be a guest blogger you (laughs) interviewed me on your podcast at my book release party you assembled gift bags (laughs) like all of this stuff that you did so it's like you know how could we and i remember the funniest thing i remember running into you a little time after i think we were like at the car center Mm -hmm. and I had given you some money and you were like, do you want change back? And I'm like, no, for everything that you've done for me. No, I don't want any change back. And I am a very, I'm a very emotional person, but I'm a very private person. And mm-hmm. I had to just kind of stand there for a minute like this. <laughs> because, and fight back the tears. Cause you were like, you know, do you want change? Like, no, and you were like, and, and, and you said that, this even though the fire was something that was very untimely unfortunate you Mm -hmm. know that you really got to see who loves you and who supports you and that that, you know that that meant so much to you that's something that always sticks with me
2: yeah it does it did it and and you know what the kids through that whole journey of being homeless and just being a family together you you go through your whole life as a parent trying to get them to understand what grace and mercy is you you tell them about the goodness of 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 God and 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 what could abound if if you stay true it's it's kind of like you know you're speaking of the goodness of Job you're telling them you know hey and and he died on the Christ and and this can happen and and this is wonderful and it it can come true and it's like trying to tell them what a fairy tale like a fairy tale can actually happen <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah if
2: you believe in fairies you know Tinkerbell will come alive and it's kind of like that's what you feel like as a parent when you're trying to teach your kids like to believe in in the spiritualism of what they you know having a relationship of their own through this that whole journey they got to see what grace and mercy was because what we wished for and what we talked we would say this is what we hope for our family it would be 10 times more of a blessing and they got to see it we just want somewhere to safely, you know, close the doors, lock up at night and, and just be safe as a family under one roof. We ended up with a beautiful brand new home, fully furnished, even with food inside that <laughs> first night. I mean, I saw like my kids see, you know, the goodness of what could happen. And it was it was that point between like we were homeless. We were we were actually uh, squatting in the house at that point. And um, my my son was really angry. He was like, "That's not fair because you do everything, you help everybody, you you go the extra mile." And he's like, "But you get this in return. You you don't have this. You don't have this. We don't have this." He's like, "It's not fair." And we see everybody just getting over on the system, and and he was like, "That's not fair for you." And he was really he wasn't even talking to me as a mom. He was talking to me as a woman for the Mm -hmm. first time. And it felt wonderful to know that he felt like I was just the most, the best thing since sliced bread, (laughs) (laughs) but it was heart wrenching to know that this woman he loved was not getting the justice. She, he believed she deserved in life. Yeah. And, and when he, when we got to the end, when we were in our home, our first day, and, um, he was putting up hooks to to hang our keys on by the door, and I was like, "Um, Zach, you remember when you were really mad and and upset and everything, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm glad you believed in everything more than anything else because if I had not believed and had faith and hope that things were gonna work out." he wouldn't be there and he understood what faith can do can move when they say move mountains it moved mountains because that was all that kept me was like okay let's just get through this day let's just Mm -hmm. get through this hour let's just get through this second let's just get through this millisecond you know that's how stressed i was (laughs) yeah if i could just if i could just you know take a deep breath I, I'm okay. So, you know, I had different coping methods for, for stress, anxiety, just so I could keep it together because in the end it did. It worked out. It it really worked out, you know.
1: Yeah. And your life has, has been amazing since then too.
2: It has been. It's and I even say before that it was amazing. I think all the trials and tribulations that we go through, um, they're they're all to prepare us for the the best things that we can have in life Mm -hmm. it's all to to really get into it because you you really can't have you can't have light without dark you you Mm -hmm. can't have rainbows without the rain and the storm you can't there's no way to get to the rainbow until after a storm or after it rains so you have to just Get out there, dance in the rain.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Hold
2: up your umbrella until it it passes over so you can reap the rewards from the storm. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's what it was. We just, hey, let's just get through this and see what comes. So that's what my life has been.
1: (laughs) That is awesome. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about is a notebook that you have available called plan, pray, parent. And after hearing that story, (laughs) whoever is watching or listening to this podcast, go out and buy it immediately. (laughs) And here's the thing that I like about your notebook and about everything that you do. Okay. You put your money where your mouth is in terms of so many people say that they want to help people, but they charge a lot of money. They say, I want to help people who are struggling. I want to help entrepreneurs buy this program for a $1,000 and I'll show you how you can be blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Everything that you've ever done. And that's why I was able to take advantage of some of the classes at Tech Town and stuff like that is because it was something that was affordable Mm -hmm. for people who are trying to pull yourselves up by the bootstrap. So when I went online to purchase it today, I noticed that it was basically pay what you can. You pick your price. So right. if you got a dollar, you can buy it for a dollar, right? You know, it's, right. And it's kind of if you pay a little extra, you're kind of paying it forward. Yeah. So, how did you? Um, what was the inspiration behind it?
2: Um, because I've always felt just because I eat dirt, everybody else don't got to eat dirt.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: And we, as as human beings, we should always try to be an asset instead of a liability to the world. So if I know something, every we are all put on here and, and people all struggle to say, oh, what am I here for? What is my purpose? What and because once you find your purpose, you can find your passion, which leads to the profit that you need in order to get over. So we just gotta find our purpose first. And because that's gonna open up everything else. And that's what I want to do. Is just I want to help people just find your purpose, so you can get to where you need to be in life. And once you start on that journey, it's gonna be like, oh my God, okay, this is the 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 street I should have been getting going down instead of all those yeah. other blocks the potholes.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
2: I just I wanted to 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 just be able to give people something and I've been blessed and everything that I take, I just take it and, and, and then I just give it right back out because yeah. I can't take it with me. I <laughs> might as well just give it right back out and I'm able to put it where I want to put it to help people. And okay. that's just a really powerful thing for me you know my book royalties go back into my organization or literacy projects you know the speaking engagements they go in to help other people who want to try and just the the mommy things and and uh, explaining to women how to be a busy mompreneur is just right back into helping other women who who just need help so Uh they just need that one one thing oh they just need to get away from that 68 cents.
1: Yes. yes, exactly. If right.
2: I'm a dollar sixty eight. Then, hey, let me try.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, I, I found <laughs> I found the notebook to be extremely empowering. And, you know, that's my whole thing. Oh, I'm an empowerment mentor. You. I love empowerment. There's I don't want to give away too much, but there was something that I read in there that really, really stuck with me. It said you set the plan for the worst. Mm hmm. You know, not necessarily that it's going to happen or that you want it to happen, but just plan for the worst. And then you said, if you don't know what to plan for, find someone in a worse situation and help them so you can learn how to plan better. In right. my opinion, that is brilliant.
2: It is, it is. It's always community before you. If if you take the approach of let me help the community before I help myself, you will find when something bad does happen to you, which in my case, I am a testament to this. It helps helps you for that situation because even if, if it was not a situation that you even helped anybody else out once they see that you're in a situation then they're like you know what they helped me out let me help them out so it's always community before self because that's what we're here to do we're helped to help people mm-hmm. out we're human beings that means we are interconnected and how we how we nurture other roots is going to make our root system better
1: boom yes. That is so true. That is so true. I was doing research on uh, psychosilbin mushrooms and right. they were saying that under the ground, right, mushrooms play a very important role in allowing other plants and things, the roots of them to communicate with each other. Right. And that's mm-hmm. the same way you said that we're all interconnected.
0: Right.
2: And people, great. people don't think that. People don't think, oh, well, what happens over here is going to affect me what happens in in israel the bombing and people dying is going to affect me what happens in ukraine and 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 people are are being put in through war it's not going to affect me oh it's affecting you (laughs) it's affecting you and it's how you treat the situation is how it's going to how it's going to progress in years to come and you don't want to be 10 years from now and you know or 20 years from now your great-grandchildren say well what did you do what yes, you, because we even ask people now during a, who who survived World War One or World War Two. What did mm-hmm. you do during that situation? Now we're being asked during nine one one. What did you do? Mm-hmm. What did you do? And and are we able to answer that? Are we able to say this is what I did to help the situation or hinder the situation?
1: Mm-hmm. And something, excuse me, something that is very important that you brought up is it's important for us to share our own individual stories because as we know with so many things, revisionist history changes things. Right. And 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the road, an entirely different story is being told than the real story of what happened.
2: Right. And our, our stories are, our 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 are, our messes are our blessings. <laughs> Uh, Our mess is our message. It's going to bless somebody else because we need to start. And we do need to start doing that more. We need to start sharing our stories in order to help other people. This is why we're out there. This is why we're living life. This is why you went through it because you were strong enough to go through it. Whereas somebody else was not strong enough and they needed your words to help them. So Every time you don't share your stories, you're missing out on a blessing you could be receiving because you help somebody else. Yes. And it's a powerful thing. So and all the journal was to just get out the three affirmations that have helped me through, I, I would say, everything that I have gone through. So like you said, it's plan for the worst, praise and expectation, Stop! Stop praying for stuff you want. He already know that. But pray in expectation of this is stuff that you know you're gonna already receive. Like, okay, I know I got it. And then parent your children, home, business, and especially yourself, because we get to a point where we're 16 and we still have a 16 brain. We still going around saying I'm grown at 55 years old <laughs> yes. haven't done one darn thing in life, you know. But If you were you you're fifty-five and your parent and you still had a parent over you, your parent would be like, shut that TV off, get that business plan written, and then start looking for ways to get funding for it. And you'd be like, Yes, mama. Yes. Right. You would be like that because when you was five and your mama came in and said, clean that room in 30 minutes. I don't care if it was 29 minutes and you stuffing stuff under the bed. That's right.
0: like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this room gonna be clean. So yes. then we have to ask ourselves as adults, do we have reward and punishment in our system? Can we do that to ourselves? Can we literally punish ourselves for not doing the stuff we're supposed to be doing? and we should be we should be if if you decided to binge on netflix for the weekend and didn't make promo material for your podcast you know and you should then did you punish yourself for it so this won't happen again because that's yes. what would happen when we were little we punished ourselves because or we were punished because we did a bad thing and it was to stop that behavior
1: mm-hmm uh-huh. Yeah, Are we still
2: doing that? Are we still following those practices that we grew up with? Because that's the only way we got people like, oh, well, that's, that's mental abuse to yourself. But if that's how you are, if that's yeah, that's the only way you got stuff done, I'm going to wait for (laughs) my mama to butt with me. And then I'm going to correct myself. Well, Mm -hmm. come on. I'm not saying go get the, you know, go get the broom and start beating on your backer. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) Hey, why don't I not watch Netflix for a whole week, get stuff done, see what I can do, and then put myself on punishment for a whole week and then come back once I get so much stuff done, reward myself after that week. What's wrong with that?
1: I love it. I love it. And the thing that I love the most about that is um, that once you get into the habit of doing it, it becomes easier and you start looking forward to it.
0: You, you start looking that, forward to
1: it. You got to really, and this is something I noticed that you've done. You really have to hold yourself to a higher standard.
0: Right.
1: You know, I, when I was um, about ready to launch this podcast, I was thinking to myself, I was listening to podcasts and I'm like, mm-hmm. people were just rambling for an hour, hour <laughs> and a half. It's right. like, no, I do show prep because <laughs> of the green screen. It looks like there's some visible papers. But <laughs> I do right. try to, like, yeah. page, even if we don't get to all this stuff, I have right. pages of notes of stuff that we could talk about, right. and it's like, you have to be, you have, you have to, whatever ready. it is, you got to be prepared.
2: Right. Yeah. You want to be, because you, but yeah, you hold yourself accountable, and then what it does is that anybody who comes into your life, if it, you parent them, you, you yeah. your parent be like, oh, I don't like that little boy hanging around you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that little girl. You you know she got you know her you know her house is dirty. Why yeah. you going over there?
0: Yes. <laughs>
2: is this who you would take home to your mama, even if you ain't like your mama? Is this somebody you would want your parents to know you dating? Like. Your parent, you you make your even if you didn't like your parent, make an imaginary parent. And is this the person you want to take home to your imaginary parent? Right. If they're not not good enough for your imaginary parent, they're not good enough for you.
0: That's (laughs) right. Yes. So true. But
2: but then you find the essence of because when you are a parent, you're you're constantly trying to make that little person happy or direct them in the way they should go. A good parent would direct them. In that. So as your internal parent, they're doing stuff to make sure that you are going in that direction. So when you hear that internal parent and you're like, hey, maybe you shouldn't go out with your friends tonight. Maybe you should stay home and just stay home because you need to clean the house. You need to work on some stuff. And it's not that important. There are other Fridays to go out. There's yes, other, right. you know, free drinks on Fridays that happen. It's been happening for twenty years. Right. One one free drink on Friday you miss is not going to be the end all, be all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and maybe that that weekend you find that idea you just been searching for, and you say, hey, thanks, parent. You know, but yeah. but if we're not doing that and and running our household like it should be ran, um, running our children like they should be ran <laughs> or raising our children like they should be raised, then then it, it prevents a lot of problems that could come. If we're doing that parenting thing in our lives that we should be doing over all of our lives, then we shouldn't be having the We shouldn't have the problems we have. And mm-hmm. I, I just have to thank thank the the Lord and His grace and mercy that I was given that insight of to plan, pray, and parent. And a lot of people say, Well, why don't you put pray first? You know, and but then if I put pray first, that means I'm not using it as a, 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 a I'm I'm already like depending on it. Yeah. You depend on a plan. Yeah. God is already there.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs>
2: It's, it's already there. Yeah. You just praying to say, hey, you know, it's like talking to your girlfriend. You know, you know, you know, I want that house. You know, I need that house. Boy, come play with me.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <play> with me. <laughs> <laughs> I already bought a keychain and everything. So come on, run that, run that. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like you have that relationship with him just okay you know what i you know what i need before i ask so why would i put that first exactly why why? because you already know i'm just letting you know i respect you uh my will is your will but come on yeah (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) that is awesome i love it (laughs) that's great advice now one of your um, I, I guess this is one of your crowning accomplishments is mm-hmm. the Motown Writers Network. Yes. I love the Motown Writers <laughs> Network just based off of the people that I've met like Jesse Cole and Monica mm-hmm. Marie Jones and Fiat Hollins and just all of these great authors and yeah. speakers and coaches and stuff. What was your original inspiration and your original idea or vision for the Motown Writers Network? Because I know now it's a lot of people from all over the Midwest.
2: It was lies. It was all lies. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was, I was broke um, and I didn't want to pay for people's, like you said, get a, get a course for $1,000, get the book for $10,000. Unfortunately, the government said I had to feed kids, so I couldn't do all that. <laughs> <laughs> or you go to jail. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Then they I, really do not eat. Come on. So I would like have I put up a fake site called Motown Writers, and I would say, hey, let me do an interview because I figured you you interview an author, they tell you anything. Yes. They, they they'll give you the phone number. <laughs> yes, that's right.
0: Of that's the a great ego stroke. Ask, yes.
2: Ask for Al at 3 p.m. Don't call. (laughs) Okay, girl. Yes. I'm not gonna put that in the article, but that's between (laughs) us, you know, because they're so happy to be featured. So I would feature these authors on this site, but it was all really a plan to get information out of them. I was an undercover line journalist, (laughs) but this site was like, okay, yeah, I'll put you up on this site, I'll feature your interview and your book blah 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 hey i'm happy for you but i'd be like you know getting all this good information for free and then um i about a couple of years passed and i went to this uh this thing where it was kind of like a networking event and it they had you put your name and then you put what organization you were a part of and at the time i was i was a part of detroit working writers and at that point, there was something else before that, before Detroit working. But I was a part of that group. And that's what I had. And I was walking around and I saw people with Motown writers on their badge. And I was like, oh, my God, did I steal somebody' organization name? Oh, my God. Because oh, I'm like, is this all fake? I don't even know. Yeah. I didn't know it was you. Right, but in between the interviews to you know, so it break up the interviews, I would put all these articles that I found and I would be like, Okay, let me do this and and have people think this is a real working site and all of this. It's not a real working site, it's all about me and lies. So I walk up to this girl and I'm like, Okay, tell me about this organization. Yeah, yeah. You know, cause I'm ready to change. I'm ready to give up the the name and you know release the domain because I'm like, oh my god, I done stole this nice organization's name, and they just think I'm doing something. And she was like, it's this awesome organization, and you find all this information about being published and market and tell me how to write my book and get. I was like, really? Who, who's running this thing? Who's who's doing this? Stuff? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I might need to interview them. <laughs> Right yeah
1: Not realizing
2: <laughs> and, and the girl was like I can't remember who's running it And she called this other guy over She was like you just told me about it Who is the girl who is that lady And like, he was like yeah Her name is Sylvia Hubbard And he was like oh
0: Oh my gosh you're Sylvia <laughs> And there's Sylvia over here And I'm like what wow so what i've always believed
2: is it's be selfish <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs>
0: it just it works out <laughs>
2: just,
1: oh my god that is so awesome happens. i never knew that
0: lies i never was, knew that i went
2: back into the interface of the website and i had put a subscription box and i was like you can join for free <laughs> i had like the first year i had been doing this site it over 75 people had subscribed and from that it just started growing yeah and and it was like people started asking when you're gonna have an event when you're gonna i had all these people asking me questions and i would answer their questions and it was just yeah it was i didn't know i was running an organization until like I was walking into rooms and people be like, oh, my God, you're Sylvia. Yeah. Did not know. Yeah. Did not know. So (laughs) that is
1: great. And you know what? That was since we're since we're being transparent. When I went to my very first Motown Writers event, Uh it was at the Detroit Impact Center. And the main reason that I went is because I was hungry. And someone told me that it was going to be catered by Famous Dave's,
2: <laughs> so that's why. I- oh yeah, that was that year. <laughs> yes, I got them to lies. I just yeah. wanted a few Famous Dave's. I'm gonna tell you, I that.
1: needed some food at the time. I was struggling as well, and I needed, I needed that.
2: <laughs> when they would said they would give me some food, I was like, what? I wanted yeah. some Famous Dave's so bad. I was like, Ooh. <laughs> i told the kids we was gonna have famous days for a week yes <laughs> they, was, they was my son was personally monitoring the table to make sure nobody didn't take too much food right Yes. So we, so we could take it home
1: oh my goodness yeah and it was
2: yeah i was just i just did stuff like if i wanted something i'd be like okay yeah let's do this this huh? well i wanted information from people oh we'll invite this author yeah let's do this This. It sounds like we should be doing this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is great. I'll tell you what, it works. I don't even know. I don't even remember how many years ago that was. I think that was probably maybe 09 or 2010.
2: Yeah, that was. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It was
2: (laughs) crazy. It was so. And I, yeah. Everybody always asks me now, like, oh, we're going to put on another conference. No. I'm helping everybody now. I'm kind of like, that's been 20 years. I
1: know. Right. Yeah.
2: But it's still running strong online. And then we're going to be offline once everything is opened up Uh completely. And so then we can, you know, do more second Saturday events. So we'll be at a library. People can still come to our second Saturday online on, on the Motown writers group on Facebook. And we still have guest speakers actually come in and share knowledge You know, I've I've had speakers come in and have downloads and everything people can have for their workshops and stuff. So it's pretty cool. So it's pretty. It's still running. As that's amazing that it's still running. It's a labor of love.
1: That (laughs) is so great. (laughs) We have to like archive this interview. There's so much stuff that I did not know about. (laughs) To put this in a time capsule or something.
0: Great. (laughs) Okay, so
1: fifty-three minutes into the interview. Mm-hmm. The question that I was going to ask you first. <laughs> right. Back to was, the first. Exactly. Yeah. You're about your most recent book, Trouble with Gabriella.
2: Yes. So, Trouble with Gabriella is about a young a young mother. She has a son already, but after a, a one-night stand, she becomes pregnant again. And she just, it's not that she wants money. She just wants something to just help her through the pregnancy. So then she can get on her feet. So she decides to find the one night stand and realizes it was a wealthy, a very wealthy uh, businessman, but he was murdered. Mm. And then she finds out she carries the heir to his wealth and his family invites her in to say, hey, you know, we'll help you out if you you stay here um and she finds out at that point she's alone um pregnant and about to be murdered
1: (laughs) plot twist
2: plot twist
1: right in the description
2: right in the description right so, yeah, it was basically about um, she was going through a lot of things. Um, I love bringing stories to life that are three dimensional. So she was struggling with um, the relationship with her mother and being a really good mother. Her son was practically he was 10 years old, but he was a genius. And 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 I've had I've I've believed like one of my kids is a genius and just dealing with that and being broke and making sure the system takes care of them it is it's a struggle it's a big struggle because if you're not challenging them then if if the system's not challenging them then you as a parent have to challenge them and and they have great potential to be i think all chi- all children are born geniuses it is how we handle them that that either can grow them or kill them literally and and she's had to deal with this and trying to just do stuff in her life to make sure it doesn't affect their life. That's a, it's a hard thing as a parent. And I wanted to put that struggle in the book. And then also um, on the, on the other side of the coin, the, the one night stand, his family was going, it's, it's more about the, the relationship we have with our, our family and how we are treated as siblings, as sons, as daughters and how it affects us later on in life. And we may be happy, but sometimes your family is not there for you. Sometimes mm-hmm. they, the the people you call family are not family, and you just have to make those decisions in life. Either you can you can break this off and and get your own success, or be have them tethered to you and hold you down, and it's going to take a lot longer. And that that's the basis of pretty much the whole book of. Trouble with Gabrielle is a lot of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Now, do you
1: just as far as your process goes, do you did you start out with that and say these are the three things this book is going to hit upon? Or do you tell the story first and kind of just work that into the story?
2: Um, I start with the premise. (laughs) She's alone, pregnant and about to be murdered. So I have to, of course. Get her uh, pregnant, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so we have to go through that, um, and then, um, but explain how or show how she's alone. Even though she has family around her, she's still alone, and a lot of us are in that kind of situation. We have a lot of family around us, but we real we're still doing stuff by ourselves. We're you know there's no one out there to really help us. They say they help us but it's yeah. with a cost and mm-hmm. things that you don't think you should be paying for you paying for in other ways. So, um, and then just the, the, the suspense element, um, I've always worked stories where the romance and suspense just interweave together mm. throughout the whole story. So yeah. it, you're either, you're not coming and going, you're not reading like a romance chapter and then the suspense chapter and then a romance. It's constantly weaved throughout the entire story. There's some sort of romance and and suspense element always going on throughout the whole book but in the end the romance which is the 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 higher genre has to win you have to always do the promise of a romance and the number one promise you make when you write a romance is that it must be a happily ever after oh, okay Stop saying Romeo and Juliet was a romance. It's not a romance.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <Most> people died. <laughs> most people,
0: most right,
2: people died. I don't know about you. <laughs>
0: right.
2: <laughs> but um, it has to be. So in the end, she does get her romance. She does get her happily ever after. Um, and a lot of things come to light. So, yeah.
1: Mm, good. I'm looking for, I've read excerpts. I'm looking forward to reading the entire thing. Thank you. And it works because you have a great following. Like you said, eight number one bestsellers. So that's yeah. that's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's been a struggle. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like the grace. Of, I always say grace and mercy because people say, well, how do you write so fast? Or how do you write so much? It's basically, you know, I'm bad on paper so I can be good in life. And it's a <laughs> lot of bad things I want to do. So.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> you gonna get a lot of stories out of me.
1: <laughs>
2: like I'm putting you in a book.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Cause I have now the I've written two books myself and co-authored several others, and the books are about me, but mm-hmm. I have so many fiction books in my head that I need to get out and get out into the world that need to start on. Yeah. And some of them are, like you said.
2: Like, <laughs> People are like, Why are you so happy? Because I write. And exactly. I, yeah. I get all the frustrations out. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, that's pretty much my process in terms of just sitting down and writing and getting the story out. Because I, sometimes I feel like it's not even my story; it's someone else's story that yeah. I'm, I'm retelling. I'm just a fly on the wall trying to get somebody's. Well, this is what I wish would have happened. Yeah. So wow. that's how now, I am.
1: is this book going to be a series, or is it just going to be this one book?
2: It, all my books, mostly the majority, I think, is maybe one or two are all standalone stories. Okay. What happens is that some of the characters do go crossover into other books. Ooh. So I know that her son appears in another book and he, he appears in two more books. And then Gabrielle does come back into another book as well. Nice. So it's just like there. That's why it's, it's called the literary world of Sylvia Hubbard because they they all can interconnect somehow. It's like if you put them all on a board, you'd see like lines being drawn yes. from this book because it's it's kind of like real life. We walk in and out of other people's lives, and then, you know, it, it, we're five degrees, or now we're up to four degrees of separation from everybody else. So in my head, that's how my stories are. If, I need an electrician and I got an electrician in book forty four and I'm on book sixty. Then hey, let's pull that electrician from forty-four into this book because he that's how sometimes our lives are. They cross yeah.
1: over. Yeah. That so. was always as a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s. I always loved when someone from a different TV show would come on in. Yeah, like when crossovers they had the, like uh, the Exactly.
0: Yeah, like when Laverne remember. and
1: like, Shirley and yeah. uh, Happy Days, because the they were all in Milwaukee. Yeah. I
2: think the most epic crossover was when Spider-Man was in, in the Avengers, and then he went over to the League yeah Uh, people don't even remember that and i'm like oh my god if that happens today i swear that movie would be epic and then when i remember when the avengers fought the the dc and it was like oh my god (laughs) it was just i mean nobody was outside the world was quiet (laughs) yes everybody was watching this it Uh was Yeah, crossovers were the bomb. I wish they did a more... Mm -hmm. now in different things but yeah crossovers are always fun and that's I think that's what the readers get out of it is that you'll be reading a book they'll be reading one of my books and they'll be like oh my god this person from this book is in here oh it's gonna be some trouble oh they always cause trouble (laughs) (laughs) oh they can't get away with nothing now because they're (laughs) here and it's like okay (laughs) you know them better than I know them and I I know right
1: yeah that's the great thing with books is you can in your head, you can go anywhere with it, you know,
0: yeah it is that's making crazy. up your
1: own backstory or seeing this character through your lens of how you perceive life. That's that's great.
2: But I always think people are weird when they say they enjoy my books because I do it to get the weirdness out and uh, get the weirdness in. So I'm yeah. like, ooh I don't know about you. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, Ooh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah. So, yeah. That's how I I'm so weird
1: like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one one last question. I okay. know I told you an hour, but one last question. Okay? Uh-huh. You seem to have mastered something that a lot of authors have trouble with, and that is effectively marketing your book. If you could real quick just give me a couple really? of tips for marketing <laughs> For authors marketing their books,
2: quick tips. you said, how many you want? Just one, two or six, three.
1: Yeah, two, or six. one.
2: Oh Jesus. <laughs> okay, so, um, have content, and okay, first, first, let's do number one. Know that your book is not the only thing you can make a profit of. So don't just try to sell your book. Sell the brand, or sell sell the, the problem that your book is solving. Stop trying to sell the book. Sell the problem that the book is solving. Sell the yeah. Sell the solution that the book is solving. That's number one. Number two is is um content. Build more content around the book itself. So if the book is uh. Say it's about trouble with Gabrielle, it's about family. Then I'm going to build content around, you know, a family, making family grow, getting family stronger, taking care of you. And and when family turns their back on you, you know, that can become workbooks, that can become speaking events, that can become a whole bunch more that I can make money of, make profit around the book instead of just making profit on the book. Because that's what's going to make the book grow. Um, build content around that, that storyline that's going to, you know, single mom issues and things like that. Bring all of that out in it. And you can create really great content that will draw people in and want them to want to read that book. And number three, content is king, but consistency is queen and she wears the pants. So Now that you have the content, now that you know what kind of content you want to produce, you want to produce a solution to the problem. You have content for that and other content around the book that you can do. You provide a consistent schedule of putting things out there and showing up and showing out and engaging with your community that you're starting to slowly build. So those are my three tips. That
1: is great, Sylvia. That's why you're so awesome. One of the, and and one of the first lessons I learned from my, doing radio for a lot of years: when your guest is hitting on something good, shut up. Don't say uh huh. <laughs> Don't say okay. Oh wow, I agree. <laughs> just shut up. Shut up. <laughs> that was one of those just shut up
2: moments. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: right. i mean i just i learned those three things and it's it's been it's ever changing but those three things have kind of helped me because stay consistent because people are say, well Sylvia, you have stuff all the time you're always putting stuff out and it is because i'm always thinking about the first thing what problem is is did i am i solving and and what what is the the answer or the solution to it? And here's the solution, even if you think that your book is about just you know fairies that live in corners of dust bunnies and houses, you know and, you know you can, it's the they're reading and reading provides stress free solutions for everything. So yes, pick up a book. This book in particular, <laughs> it is going to help you. So know that you're if you are if you are answering a problem for somebody you will always have content once you have content then you all you have to do is just stick with consistency and bam it goes like that
1: yeah that is great okay i promise this is the last question for me but this is just a fun question though okay what do you like listening to the most when you're writing
2: brian mcknight really yeah okay and Brian McKnight? I like listening to it, but I like watching horror movies.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, you did say that horror but only, movies.
2: But I only like what I, I like listening to Brian McKnight because it kind of gets me into the mood of the romance. It kind of talks to me like, OK, I'm trying to build romance between these two people, even if like the girl is getting on my nerve or the, the guy most times is getting on my nerve because he's doing stupid stuff because he don't realize he's liking her because he's a guy. Yeah.
1: It's so true. Like I That's gotta so like true. you. Yeah. I gotta That's like
2: so you. I'm being stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Brian, get me in the get mood. A get a hit, guy. <laughs> so he kind of helps me, you know, get in the mood to do that. But actually, when I do like love scenes or intimate scenes, I have to be watching a horror movie. The, the what's the, the connection?
1: That seems so crazy.
2: When you're watching a horror movie, you're you're. And you're in this state of, of tension, right? You're, you're breathing hard. Your eyes are wide. You're like, oh, my God. Well, when you're aroused, <laughs> you're in a state of tension. <laughs> and breathing hard. Your eyes are wide. And you're like, oh, my God. So it's kind of like the same thing. I want to bring that to paper. Yeah. Um, so I kind of use the horror movie as inspiration for me to, you know, hey, this is what I want the readers to feel as we're progressing. But it's a good kind of horror. <laughs> it's a good kind you know of what?
0: scary. That is
1: so true. I never made that connection. Yeah. That is great. That is so spot on.
2: You know, it's because it's, it's really hard to feel. <laughs> to- you really can't do it when you're really like that. So it's like, horror is the best thing. It kind of gets that same emotion in there and gets me to express more things instead of saying the same thing, you know, and using the same words and different horror movies provide different kind of scares.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, then in each book, it's a different type of thing. I
1: see that is real. And you know what, when, in a time, like you said, where you're being intimate or if you're scared, mm-hmm. those are times when you are like really, really present.
0: Yeah, You're, you're not really thinking about here. the
1: future or the past or anything. Mm-hmm. You are in present in that moment.
2: You're in that moment. You're, yeah. you're like focused. Uh-huh. You're, yeah, you're. that's all that's there. And that's what I want to bring to the readers is, you know, I want you to feel the scene with them, the expectations and the yearning and the the just the tension that goes through us and then the relief that you know it's not as scary as it is it's actually yeah. pretty darn nice so yeah yeah wow. ah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome now tell everyone how they can find you and connect with you tell them about moton writers tell them about everything
2: okay so i am you can always connect with me on my website or the organization website My website is sylviahubbard.com and the organization website is uh, motownwriters.com. And uh, you can always find me on social media on Facebook and LinkedIn. It's just Sylvia Hubbard. Or you can always go, you know, this is my handle down here um, for everywhere else. Um, Sylvia Hubbard one everywhere else. If you just put that in the search engine of the social media, you'll find me (laughs) there and you can connect with me and, you know, if you have questions and i do consultations um i'm always doing something a speaking event coming up i know i have several of them which i of course i can't think of right now and um i'm always here to help you know
1: yeah awesome thank you for being here and on a personal note as far as social media goes thank you for always laughing at my corny videos that i send you like pigs playing a piano and a lady falling down the stairs and
0: i'll usually just
2: share it on my stories because i say everybody needs and it's funny because i'll share it and then everybody else thinks it's funny and creepy too. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. this is a winner but i don't want to share it on my on my on my real post exactly right
1: so i have to send it to you on a dm <laughs> or people share- will think i'm weird
2: I have no shame in my game I, people already i was already i know i'm weird so i'm just like hey and i was always trying to figure out how do i share this weirdness because i'd be at night just giggling yeah I storm and be like i want other people to giggle like this
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. just be in
2: the bed just shaking the bed and my husband will wake up and be like what is wrong with you <laughs> you're like oh my god i'm so yeah. sorry you would be doing that quiet giggle be like
1: Exactly, right. Yeah.
2: Just be vibrating
1: (laughs) where you're being quiet, but you're shaking when you laugh. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) So it's so, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll just put it up in stories and hide my weirdness there. And for some reason, I get more follows. yeah <laughs> from when i post stories yep. when i regularly post stories it's like hey
0: there's another weirdo
2: i know you're a weirdo too hello oh welcome goodness. to the club
1: yeah great well thank you so so very much and like i said i was excited about this interview i appreciate everything that you've done to help me yeah, and so much you that you've done for the detroit community as far as writing and literary stuff
2: Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's always an honor. I was so happy when you said you're having a show. And I was like,
0: oh, my God, that is so everything you've gone through. And, of course, you get the best hug. For more great content, follow Chris on Instagram at thinkchrisley or visit www.thinkchrisley.com.